You can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle. We don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning. Download the app. Give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Winnig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Welcome to Cause and Effect. I'm glad you came back for another week with us. This is Heather Winnig. I'm that early childhood nerd. And I'm joined today with Liz. By Liz. Oh, she was spinning. She must have spun her office chair around somewhere. Um, So Liz is my neighbor for a couple more weeks, and then I'm moving away from her. (laughs) Not because of her. Because of somebody else. (laughs) Um, So Liz, what do you want people to know about you? Um, I'm a home-based or family child care provider, and I've been in the field for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and are you are you currently accredited or working on accreditation? Um, by NACI, neither. Neither. Oh, but... Okay, never mind. I was just thinking about... So in, Liz is in Indiana with me. As if, if, if she's my neighbor, you probably figured that. But um, So we have a Paths to Quality rating system, and she's... You're level three, though, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome. Because um, for a lot of homes, they wouldn't go that far, I think. So that's why I asked, not to put any pressure on, but because I think you're really cool and doing a good job. So anyway, um, Liz, and, Liz and I have been talking about doing this um, this episode using a quote from The Little Prince, um, and it's a quote she found. So I'm going to ask now, so tell me about The Little Prince. Like, why are you reading it, and why did you pick the quote? And then we'll read the quote and start talking. So it's one that I've been reading with a few of my older kids, mm. uh, and I just, I was aware of it, and I read it in French in high school, um, but retained nothing, and so now <laughs> I'm reading it in English <laughs> with these kids, I'm going, I'm having these revelations every page of, wow, this is perfect, this is how we should be interacting with children, and uh-huh. the kids are like, okay, Liz, you've been quiet for long enough. <laughs> <laughs> We're sick of you processing. Right. Get back to the book. That's really cool. How old are they? Like school age kids? Uh, no, these are actually my preschoolers, my oh, three to fives. Nice. That's fun. So um, I haven't read the book, if I didn't say that already. I've owned it for many years because it was gifted to me when Josie was born and she's almost 22. <laughs> but for some reason, I've never read it. But now I really want to. Um, but we're going to talk about it anyway. And Liz will fill in any blanks for me since I haven't read it. But So here's the quote that we're going we're gonna to start with today. Grown-ups love figures. When you tell them that you've made a new friend, they never ask you any questions about essential matters. They never say to you, what does his voice sound like? What games does he love best? Does he collect butterflies? Instead, they demand, how old is he? How many brothers has he? How much money does his father make? End quote. <laughs> so do you have, do you have like a, is this just one you picked for the sake of having one? Or was this one of the more powerful quotes? I, I found it really powerful um, just from, so most Sunday mornings I'm at my church running the nursery and I hear 
these constant attempts at conversations by adults to uh-huh. the children who are talking and old enough to have conversations, but the adults only ever want their questions answered and don't really need any in-depth information. Um, I mean, I've seen the same kindergarten age child be asked four weeks in a row now by different adults who really adore her family and want to get to know her. How old are you? How do you like <laughs> kindergarten? Okay, end of conversation. Yeah, yeah. So do you think that that's just, um, I mean, I'm sure part of it is just our cultural indoctrination, you know, but is it, is it because we've talked a lot in previous episodes of, of the cause and effect um, about adults losing curiosity as they get older. So do you think... Do you think that's part of it? Is like they just aren't curious enough to ask more questions or? Um, I actually sort of jumped to like the episode you did a few weeks ago about ageism. And I think that it's just this, it's important to me as the adult, so it should be important to you, the child. And Uh, I think losing curiosity would be part of it. But I just feel like a lot of it is, these are the things that are important in life and you should learn that now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I wondered too now that now that I'm thinking in terms of the ageism discussion. I wonder if it's also um, they just aren't really all that interested. Like they think the child is is cute or or you know I just like talking to kids or maybe they'll give me a funny answer um, yes. rather than real interest in what this child as a human being is experiencing. Right, definitely. Um, be- actually, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I sort of started trying to role model the, this is how you interact with a child by opening my conversations with, you know, what have you been reading? Or, you know, what's... Yeah. In, like or in your, in the nursery, you mean? You're, you're doing that in the nursery for the other adults around? Yeah. yeah. Or in general afterwards, my friends talking and drinking their coffee, you know, just mm-hmm. <laughs> starting with silence, letting the child open the conversation with oh. the thing that's important to them because kids are really good at that if you let them (laughs) right yeah well and I just looking at these questions that that were in the quote you know what does his voice sound like I would never think to ask that but I think that's such a cool (laughs) like I want to ask a kid now (laughs) um the next time I have an opportunity just to hear because you get so much insight into how they really think by question with questions like that rather than questions like how old are you well any you know trained monkey could probably give you an answer yes. to that kind of a question um so and i i feel like i always need to say this when i go down this kind of a path it's not that i think there's any malicious intent on the part of the adult right we just need to get into the habit of thinking more deeply about our interactions with children and and really realizing their humanity and talking to them in a way that we would talk to you know, if I wanted to find out more about you, what kinds of questions would I ask? I don't think I've ever asked you how old you are. Like, I don't think that would even occur to me. Yeah, um, exactly. And if I did, would it be because I was really curious about it? Or am I trying to test your intelligence or <laughs> right, <laughs> or measure you in some way by seeing if a grown-up knows how old they are? I just wouldn't do that. And that one is actually a cultural... I've cultural conversation piece, I suppose. So I have yeah. a friend from Korea who had to really adjust when she moved here with her husband to not asking people their age because in Korean you use these honorifics based on age. Oh. So it's actually very important in polite society to know. Uh-huh. But here in the U.S., not so much. That would be hard, yeah. <laughs> I love finding out that kind of cultural uh, information, though, because it can be useful in our work with children, too, then, you know, and, and with yes. their families to know that kind of stuff. Um 
sorry, I was just looking at the quote again because I thought there was something and now I can't remember what it was. Um, I told Liz already, I also have a cold. <laughs> if you can't tell that in my voice. So hopefully my brain's not too fuzzy. Um, so I want to go back to that idea of modeling for the other adults, what kinds mm-hmm. of questions to ask her. Um, because you know, and, and most people who listen know that most of my job is working with the adults now. It's not so much direct care with the children. And um, we've changed our uh, curriculum planning process for the teachers that I work with. And um, so when they're writing out their plan, they have to sort of identify for everything that they've put on that plan. They have to identify what their technique or approach or whatever is going to be. So it could be small group or large group, and those are easy for them to get their heads around. But I've also added changes in teacher language and changes in teacher behavior as as methods of instruction and that really has thrown them that teacher language especially because it's just not how we we're used to thinking about planning mm-hmm. for young children but that's exactly what you're describing is a change in the adult language to sort of right. to sort of help with the children so do you have you noticed others picking up on it or is it I haven't among people who I haven't mentioned it directly to yeah I um I don't know if it's subtle or if it's just, oh, that's how Liz talks to everybody. (laughs) That's just Liz. (laughs) This is the baby person. This is how she does things. Yeah. Yeah. Because I find sometimes if I'm not really direct and say, I'm going to be modeling what I'd like to see you try. And in a nursery situation, that's probably different than in (laughs) like a coaching situation that I'm in. Um, And when I was a director, this was true too. I'd go into a classroom and do things with the children the way I wanted to see the teachers doing them. But then here, after I had gone, that the grumbling was, she doesn't even do anything when she comes in. She doesn't follow our rules when she comes in. (laughs) She just messes things up. And so they were sort of missing the point unless I said directly, modeling for you what I'd like to see. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) So direct, I guess, is good in that. Well, it's interesting that you said modeling, though, because yeah. with this quote, I thought of, um, I should scare this for identity purposes. <laughs> I have had a child at some point. <laughs> In my long my career. <laughs> yes. Who came to my program and wanted to start conversations with adults, but had no basis with which to do. So he'd come up to me and say, hey, Miss Liz, what does a cow say? Because he wanted that interaction, but he yeah. had no modeling for anything other than being quizzed. Oh, oh, Yeah. That's interesting. So he just started all his conversations by quizzing. Yeah. Oh. You know, I bet that's not uncommon. I just haven't stopped and thought about it. But yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it before this child, but uh it's got to be. Yeah. I kind of have a theory um, that, you know, we talk a lot about kids getting into that why stage. And how annoying it is and how hard it is. And that's what I usually hear. Um, and I've heard a lot of conversation about that happening because they're just curious and learning about their world. I think that it happens because they want to engage in conversation and they don't know how to keep the back and forth going that they yes. see between adults all the time. And so why is an easy way to keep you responding to me so I can have one of those conversations that I see other people having? Um yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I keep saying that and not doing anything with it. So someday someone's going to steal my theory and get all rich off of it. <laughs> it's going to be called the the Winnig theory of why or something. If I get on 
<laughs> I like the alliteration in there. Yeah, yeah. I used to be an English major, so. <laughs> and a French major. Because huh. at 18, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. <laughs> So how did you get into early childhood? Shocking. Oh, yeah. Let's derail this. Yes. And we'll, <laughs> we'll get back because I know you have a lot of stuff outlined and highlighted in your book that we're going to get to. Um, so I got into early childhood because um, I was a college student and I was married and I needed a job and um, had been told that I was good with kids and thought, well, that's easy work. So I'll get a job <laughs> in a child care center. And I did, and soon found out that it wasn't, in fact, easy work. It was rewarding work, but not easy work. And um, so when I dropped out of college a year later, <laughs> child care became my full-time job. Um, and then started reading and trying things out in my classrooms based on what I'd read and fell in love with it. So that's the story. <laughs> That's the story. The uh, The person who recommended me for my first job in a child care center, um, the first week I was there, got fired for making a bad kid, imagine air quotes, listeners, a bad kid, sit in his cubby and tied his hands into the kid's shoelaces so that what? he couldn't get out of it. <laughs> so he got fired. So that was one of my earliest experiences creatively of knowing there are some bad people in this field (laughs) there are people who don't understand and don't care and yet are doing the work yeah it was quite a quite a thing aren't you glad you asked (laughs) okay so um so what else i'm gonna because you've read it and i know you've put a lot of planning into this more than I have. A lot of highlighting. A really. lot of <laughs> highlighting. It looks like a coloring book as she holds it up to the camera. So what what else should we talk about? So actually on the topic of guidance or discipline uh-huh. or whatever that might be, save for another episode, there's yeah. another line. We should that. have that episode because we've talked about this, right? We choose different words for different reasons yes. for guidance and discipline. Okay. <laughs> Noted. Let's do that another time. <laughs> um, but in there's a chapter where there's a planet with a king who rules over this planet with no one on the planet but the king. Um, But the little prince is visiting the planet, and he says, I I would like to see a sunset. Could you do me that kindness by ordering the sun to set? And the king responds, If I ordered a general to fly from one flower to another like a butterfly, or to write a tragic drama, or to change himself into a seabird, and if the general did not carry out the order that he had received, which one of us would be in the wrong, the general or myself? And yeah. I just thought that was so good with regards to what we expect of children. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, you just blew my mind. <laughs> because, you know, this is everywhere you go. Anytime you look at any kind of survey of child care providers on what kind of training topic they want, it's always discipline. That's always the number one answer, I think. Discipline and sensory. Those are the two I get the most of. Um, and I understand that that's because... You know, everybody thinks, not everybody, so many people think that there's that one answer out there. There's that magic recipe that if we just can figure it out, we can finally gain control over these children. And, um, you know, the truth is that if that was out there, someone would have found it and be rich and, um, you know, we'd, we'd all know about it. Um, 
you know, maybe human nature. <laughs> you just don't <laughs> right. know. Um, but I, I think there's we get so focused on looking at why won't this kid change? And we don't stop often enough to think, what do I need to change? Or what can I change about the space we're in or the expectation I have? Right. And so mm, that's good. Yeah, well, it's interesting. It made me think of the um, a lot of rye forums that I tend to observe on and occasionally comment on. <laughs> there are a lot of people who are, I've acknowledged their feelings. Why are they still having them? Um, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's the same sort of basis, I think. Yeah. We've acknowledged your frustration with this problem growing up. Why are you still frustrated? You know, right. We don't ever flip it back on ourselves like that. Um, you know, and I think that's a big piece of it is it's it's so easy to get into uh, the, the mindset where your goal is um, no misbehavior, air quoting again. Um, right. And you're just never going to have a day where children don't make a mistake. And that's really what it is, is a mistake in their social or emotional development. Um, right. And, and if your, your goal is that, th- that uh, you know, the child who, you know, has hit seven times mm-hmm. suddenly and forevermore stops hitting completely, then either you have to feel like a failure or you have to think the child is a failure. And that's not fair to anybody. But if your goal is... You know, maybe tomorrow it's only six times or (laughs) maybe he, um, you know, knocks the block tower over instead of hitting. (laughs) Then we can see those small successes. And if we see it as teaching the skill they need, not just finding the response that will make them sad enough that they'll stop doing it. um, It's much more both appropriate and fulfilling for us. Yes. We, we don't we don't feel so frustrated with it and it doesn't damage the relationship with the child as much. Right. Which is sorry, that's my soapbox one of my soapbox issues. <laughs> I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah, no, I <laughs> you can go on and on about that. And again, I don't attribute malicious intent most of the time. It's we have a mm-hmm. cultural idea about children's behavior and that is right. we are the important ones and they do what we say. And if they don't, we cause something bad to happen. <laughs> and it so often backfires. And I don't know that enough people recognize that. Uh-huh. Because um, as soon as, like, I'm going to own a mistake that I made a couple weeks back, <laughs> I, I we've had a sudden proliferation of the word hate here. Uh. Because there's a song on the radio, apparently, oh. and it first started off with one of the kids was singing the song, I love you, I hate you. Oh. And we're like, well, I'm, I really don't like that song very much. Can we sing something different? And so they found out that hate was the word that I did not like. Oh, so now no. I've been learning a whole lot about hate this couple last few weeks. No, no, yeah. Um, and so I'm going, all right, banning. Nope, didn't work. Like, I wasn't intentionally banning it, but right. should not yeah. have said that's not really a nice thing to say here. Let's uh-huh. work on something else uh-huh. because now it's everything is I hate you. So now <laughs> I'm working on this. Yep, you are really upset that I did this thing. Uh-huh. I hear that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, acknowledging the feeling behind the word. Yeah. Well, and I think about, um, so a conversation I've been having a lot lately, too, is um, with teachers who have been hit by a child or bitten by a child or kicked by a child. And their reaction is so much bigger when they're the target than when another yes. child is the target. And I that's 
that's backwards to me. Um, you know, I think the behavior is the same. It's hitting, kicking, or biting. The target doesn't make it better or worse or, you know, whatever. But we get into ego and we get into power. And um, so I finally said to one teacher, you know, tell me what was happening before he kicked you. And she was holding him down on his cot because he wouldn't sleep. It's like, well, if I had someone twice as big as me holding me against my will, I would probably kick you too. (laughs) Yeah. That's survival. That's not, you know, a demon child. That's fight or flight. (laughs) And that's hardwired in. Um, But looking at what what is the specific thing I want them to help learn to do differently will take us down such a different path then how can I win this battle with this child? Yes. <laughs> and and uh, it's just easier for everyone. I think if we can make that mental shift. So I need a magic wand <laughs> to completely change our culture. <laughs> Erase magic microphone. Magic microphone. Oh, my goodness. All right. That was a good quote. That was yeah, like like this book is yeah. secretly how to say. Let's do another one, <laughs> and then I'm going to go home and read the book after the podcast. You should I will? You can I have will. my annotated one if you'd like. Nah. <laughs> I can't. Like I buy a lot of used books, but if there's already highlighting in them, I have a really hard time with it because if I disagree with what they've highlighted, I get so sidetracked. Oh, like, okay. why would you think that's more important than this? <laughs> Can I understand that? Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm sure oh, all I'm... your highlighting is good, though. You, I'm sure you, you, you did a fine job. Okay. So what's next? Yeah. Well, just the the following page. I didn't realize I forgot about this, but it was, um, if your Majesty wishes to be promptly obeyed, he should be able to give me a reasonable order. So oh. that just kind of ties into the same. Just to reemphasize how important it is to. And to know the child, too, I think was what I was thinking of when I was looking at that, because a reasonable expectation for one child is totally unreasonable, even for another age peer. Right. Yeah. And that goes into, um, you know, those core considerations of developmentally appropriate practice. You know, what's appropriate for typical, you know, what's typical for this age group? And then what do I know specifically about these individuals? And then what do I know about the social and cultural context they're coming to us from? Because each of those can change the way you respond, even if the child was born on exactly the same day. You know what I mean? Yes. I, I mean, I know what you, I know you know what I mean. <laughs> um, and, but it's, it's harder that way in the beginning. I think it makes the work easier eventually because if your, your expectations are more appropriate, you have less frustration and you've put less of that on yourself as being a failure as a teacher or um, – but in the beginning, making that shift from um, everybody does the same thing and it's not fair to let other people, you know, to let this kid do this but not let this kid do this or expectations. Um, it's a hard shift to make, but once you've made it, I'm fairly confident in saying you'll you'll feel better about your work. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, definitely true. What's interesting is the tie-in with the social justice work that I'm engaged in currently. Uh-huh, it's, uh-huh very similar conversations happening with a very different end goal. Oh, yeah. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> I mean, I could. Yeah, I, go ahead. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing... I'm in a social justice state of mind this week. 
it's a good week for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, just part of the... God, there's so much. Um, well, <laughs> there's so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I think I've been doing a lot of reading about preschool expulsion rates and yeah. the fact that it's a really high disproportionate percentage of black and Latino boys being kicked out of preschools. Um, so then I was, I, I kind of have tried to find more, more to look at and read about that specific topic. But um, sometimes what it boils down to is, you know, the teachers are, uh, you know, typically most often in our area anyway, um, white middle-class women or, you know, some, not all middle-class even, who just don't understand, you know, they may see um, dad comes in and his pants are sagged. And so for that boy, the first time he does something that maybe is the same thing another little girl did, we say, oh, we've got to break this now or he's going to grow up like his dad. And, and, and so we have, an unrealistic expectation based on a bias we don't even know we have sometimes. And mm-hmm. so we, we do just really have to stop and think, why did I just respond that way? Why did I think that way? Yeah. There was an article that I was just reading this morning, actually, that was talking about the, um, I think it was particularly charter schools that targeted low income uh, black and Latino children mm-hmm. where there was the zero tolerance for anything. And they yeah. they get the loudest, screamiest teachers. Mm-hmm. And rather than teaching these mostly boys through empathy, they teach them through drill sergeants. Right. Which they don't, nobody responds well to that except maybe another drill sergeant. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So we feel like um, we've immediately decided that we're going to call them at risk. We're going to slap that at risk title on because we think that mm-hmm. growing up to be like his dad would be a bad thing. You know what I mean? Or growing up right. to be like my idea of this population would be a bad thing. So we've got to be harder on them now. Um, or it just draws our attention. Cause you know what you, th- what you pay attention to, you give power to. So if you're giving more attention to the loud little boy, um, then you're going to just notice more what he's doing, even though other children in the room may be doing the same thing. Absolutely. And that happens, I mean, obviously that's a documented issue, but I feel like that happens with that kid in each room too. Oh, yeah. You don't you know. Yes. <laughs> Whoever is drawing attention because of of challenging behavior, mm-hmm. you, you start to see more of that. I Yeah, I agree with that. And it you know could be a girl. I'm not saying that girls oh, are yeah. never the target of that. <laughs> I was just talking about that specific research that I'd been looking at. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like the boy who cried wolf too sometimes. So for, for me, a couple years ago, there was a little girl in one of the rooms who just, um, I'm going to say tattled and whined for the sake of simplicity, even though I have issues with both of those words as descriptors of negative (laughs) behavior. Um, and it was like a, a hook for me, like a negative hook immediately. And, um, so I, that that negative reaction just took over unless I really stopped myself and said, all she's doing is asking you for help. Yeah. <laughs> if you want her to do it in a different way, then put some effort into teaching her to do it in a different way. But understand that right now she's not being bad. She's asking you for help in a way that annoys you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so sometimes we need to stop and think, too, is this really – you know, a a wrong behavior or is this just an inconvenient or annoying behavior? 
on my yeah. my side of it. Oh, absolutely. And then looking past the behavior to the message, like you were saying, yeah. that she's asking for help, yeah. even though, man, I can't stand this method. <laughs> I know, yeah. I should just say, um, could you choose a different method? Let's try this <laughs> <Right>. again. <laughs> really violent outbursts are my powerhouse. If you hit me, we can have a reasonable conversation about this. <laughs> yeah, but don't come whining. You come at me swinging, we'll be good. <laughs> But I'm like that with adults, too. Like, adults who talk really slowly. Oh, I yeah. want to grab them and shake them <laughs> until they talk faster. <laughs> Instant, like, rage. Yes. <laughs> so, now everyone I know is going to be, do I talk slow when I talk to Heather? <laughs> <laughs> They're all thinking, is that me she's talking about? <laughs> I have a list of names. <laughs> not really so that's not. what happens when you have old lady hobbies like knitting you get all the other talk. <laughs> that's right that's right old lady hobbies come on i only mock because i lack the dexterity to do it myself <laughs> <laughs> okay accepted <laughs> accepted um okay so what's next or do you want to talk more about that one clearly i can go on and on about that one <laughs> that one was one of the highlights of the yeah movie. but i also really appreciated the the fact when the little prince is describing, um, actually the one that's more linked to this, the little prince has a flower on his planet, who is a sentient flower, who has four thorns with which to defend herself. And the little prince talks about when he's describing his interaction with the flower, the flower goes off about these being such powerful thorns, and the prince just kind of goes, well, the sheep could still eat you, it's, you know, it's... <laughs> It's not going to do much, but uh-huh. then the flower huffs and sighs and cries until the little prince feels bad enough to put her back in her glass vase uh-huh. and protect her from the wind and the other elements. Which, uh-huh. It was a similar sort of, that behavior from child or adult would mm-hmm. drive me crazy. Right. <laughs> but, and it's a manipulative behavior that's getting the flower what it wants. Uh-huh. But the little prince is... You know, doing what the flower wants, but then as it goes towards the end of the story, the prince is talking about, but that's my flower and I care for it, and maybe there's a better way to not just stomp on this flower's hopes and dreams of being this powerful <laughs> four-thorned creature. <laughs> that's beautiful. I'm laughing, but that's beautiful. Um, oh, man. Sorry, I need a little recovery time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I need to find the passage because I did not highlight this one uh-huh. um, because this is in front of children. So, <laughs> and I don't want to model drawing it all. The time. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> Just give them all their own highlighters. <laughs> yeah. Get them started early. <laughs> then their parents come in and then they don't like me. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, but then I can skip to chapter 15, which was another one of my favorites. If. Yeah. Open to this one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the sixth planet that the little prince went to, and there was an old gentleman who wrote voluminous books, and he is a geographer uh-huh. who writes down everything the explorers tell him, but he himself doesn't explore because that's not what a geographer does; that's what an explorer does. Ah. Uh, uh. And right. <laughs> so the little prince says, "Your planet is beautiful. Has it any oceans?" Geographer says, "I." couldn't tell you <laughs> and they go through these different geographical features uh-huh. and the geographer has no idea because he's not an explorer uh-huh. and so I just it 
brought to mind this idea of teaching children, for example, to count when they Before don't. Before there's any relevance. Count. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, or any of that, like thinking that they under, that they know their ABCs makes them smart when all they're really doing is repeating syllables that you've sung over and over. Right. That's hooked into their memory. But until there's what I, I like to call a shelf in their brain for them to put the new information on, it's really meaningless. So, I mean, that, so I usually use that in a context of teaching people to knit. So they're, they're watching a video and they can't figure out how to do it all. So the video is not helpful. But then they come to the class, they see me knitting, I help them through the steps, and then the video can become a helpful reminder because they've already got some information oh. that makes it relevant, that makes what they're seeing on the video relevant. Um, I'm going to borrow that metaphor. Thank yeah, you. I love, I like it. And uh, it's too bad the listeners can't see this because my hands are going crazy now. It must be the knitting that's making me gesture so wildly. But, um, so, but I think that's sort of the same with ABCs and counting until there's some relevance to their life for these numbers and symbols. Right. Um, we're really wasting our time drilling it into them. They may be able to spit it back out to you. But that doesn't mean that any depth of learning has happened. Yes. Yeah. So. So now we have geographer as a metaphor for that too. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's, it's. I mean, I think every writer has the parents who are anxious about. Okay, so they're learning through play, but. Mm. But really, like, therefore, shouldn't they be able to write their name? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's just where our responsibility um, comes into play. So I'm in my office right now, and in my office I have flip chart pages hanging on the walls. You can see one behind me, I guess. Um, And as I'm reading things, if something really stands out to me that I want to make sure I spend time thinking about, I write it on the flip chart. And so at the very top of the one I'm facing, it says, we have the professional responsibility to be able to articulate what is happening when children do play. So that what you're talking about is not a reason to stop doing things the way we are and start doing things that look more familiar to families. Our responsibility in that situation is to be able to say, well, here's what we're doing now, and then here's how it leads to writing their name, or here's how it leads to the skill that you're asking about. So there's, there's a lot of depth to our work that we don't always embrace or acknowledge, um, but it's a disservice, I think, to the children and the families if Definitely. we don't take time to do that. So, so do you have do you have ways that you've had success making that learning visible to them when they have those questions? Um, I have what I've done in attempts. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's hard to know the level of success. They don't probably come yes. back to you and say you've changed everything about the way I think about how children learn. Sadly, I have not begun that response. <laughs> um. But with regard to risk-taking, actually, it's been one of my big ones, because a couple months back, I put in this big geodesic climber in my yard, um, which is wonderful, and the kids love it, and it's, and I've had, well, I talked to you the other night about this, you know, oh, it must be so much easier for you to get the kids outside and let them get their energy out. Oh, right, yeah. (laughs) And so, kind of talking to parents about, well, I mean, they have energy, and they need to use that energy first and foremost. Yes, uh-huh. like that is an intrinsic need. Forcing yeah. them to sit down is just as bad for their bodies as, you know, depriving them of sleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but also when you look at the muscles that are involved in this and the actual the cognitive development that's happening when they're using these muscles that are going to eventually be used to hold a pencil properly uh-huh. um, or the focus that's going to be used to write that A backwards but keep trying, yeah. you know? Yeah, or even just the the problem solving. Yes. Um, you know, that's, and I don't remember if we talked about this um, uh, during the play book discussion last week. Oh, yeah, we did. That that quote from Lisa Murphy's book about how um, children who are afraid to take risks are less yes. likely to become fluent readers. And we ta- mm-hmm. I think we talked a lot about wanting to go further about to figure out the correlations and what all that was. But it could just be the persistence that you're talking about. You know, I, I couldn't climb that thing at first either, but then I made it. And so I can keep working on this word and maybe I'll get it eventually. Right. Risky play is is one that I'm still learning to articulate. Like, it makes sense to me. I think it's great. I love to watch it. But I need to put some more work into how I make my case for it. So, yeah, still working on that myself. I had a good conversation about that today, actually, with a, a friend of mine who was talking about how she just is constantly afraid of head injuries. Oh, <laughs> And yeah. that, that's her trigger with sure. head injuries. Uh-huh. And so we were talking about doing, you know, a benefit-risk analysis of what they're learning and what could happen. And uh-huh. yeah. um, her kids are significantly older as it happens, so it's not nearly as relevant right now. But, it was just a... <laughs> but that's a good way of, of, of approaching it is let's just sit down and do a, do a risk-benefit analysis. <laughs> this is where I need to confess that I stole that from either Child Care Bar and Grill or Renegade Rules, one of those two. Oh. But, um... <laughs> that's okay. I steal from Lisa every week. I don't think I've done an episode yet where I didn't say, you know, Lisa Murphy says, (laughs) and it's getting that way with, uh, with Dan from shaken bones too. Oh yeah. Trot trot his quotes out a lot too. Um, okay. Well, let's see. I'm going to look at the time we've got about 40 minutes. So any closing advice for people based on other than read this book with your oh, yeah. with your early childhood glasses on, <laughs> um, yeah, it was really just going to be read this and reflect on it. Yeah, and, and that's fine. There are so many immediate connections jumping out. Yeah, so I'm going to take it just a step further and say: so if you're listening to the podcast and then you go and you want to read Little Prince yourself or you read it yourself, if you want to like post in the comments, I'd like to keep this conversation going. So under in the upstairs studio or the Explorations Early Learning pages when we post the link um, or even that Early Childhood Nerd page because the link gets posted there every Monday night too, I'd love to keep this conversation going. So if you've read it or are reading it and um, and want to comment, that would be great. And maybe this could be another virtual book discussion. That would, be, that would be fun. So maybe that could be our next book. I'll spend some time looking at it. We'll see. All right. Any last thoughts, Liz? I don't think I have further thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Any last thoughts you want to put on the air for all eternity? <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Take the pressure off. Thanks. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sure it's not all of eternity. <laughs> we'll become obsolete Settle at some for point. For yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. This was great. And I seriously am going to go get dig my book up. It's probably in a box of keepsakes somewhere. Things that kids gave me for, for baby presents. So, But thanks. This was awesome. Um, 
Uh, and I hope we'll we'll do another episode. Clearly, I think we need to get a whole episode on the discipline guidance thing. Yes. So put a, put a <laughs> pin in that, and we'll come back to that. And thanks to everyone who's listening. I'm glad you came back for another week of cause and effect. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production.